Hey, this is Ross Bain with Rollblame Bulb Radio. This is RPB episode 172, How to Run a Game for the First Time. Woo! Because I can't believe we haven't actually addressed that topic. Well, we uh, might have, but not, a, not in a whole episode. Yeah. Uh, so we, ha- of course, uh, have Tom here. Yes. And uh, we also have a special guest. Hi, I'm Corey Bing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, creator of the webcomic Skin Deep. Yes. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this comic once or twice on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I I likes it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Corey's in town here in Springfield, and Tom is actually friends with her, so uh, he invited her on the podcast. And, yeah. Indeed. Uh, and you know what role-playing games are, yes, so that's all you need to be qualified. I don't know to a whole lot more than that, but I do know what they are. We don't either. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's- that's all. Like, just just wing it as you go. Yes. That's what we do. No Sounds one knows. Good. It's <laughs> it's unknowable, uh, really. So, uh, yeah, for this episode, um, basically, there have been many people over the years who have sort of emailed me, messaged me uh, on various social media platforms. And uh, they have from MySpace to Twitter. Uh, wow! Yeah, that's how far back our PBR <laughs> dates. Yay! Uh, we are ancient. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Uh, You're welcome. And uh, so a person recently did this on Twitter and it made me realize that um, I haven't, we haven't really addressed this as a unique topic because I couldn't just like listen to this episode. This is literally all you have to do. Like, dude, so. What are you saying? There's more to what we do than just one episode can cover? uh, Yeah. So. uh, This is news. It is news. (laughs) So uh, basically this person said, hey, I'm running this, uh, a game uh, in D&D and I have this premise. Here's the premise. And. So I'm a fairly green DM and I would like to ask your advice on how to make it great fun for everyone. And that was like, that's a, that's a tall order. That's <laughs> that's a big question. A, yeah. So, um, for me, I, I gave him like, uh, I realized that, well, the way I addressed it was to, uh, basically, well, I, it, it, your premise seems fine. What are you concerned with? And then he started, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm bad. I don't think I'm going to be good at improv. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. good at coming up with things. And so we kind of went from there. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it is a very broad topic. So, like, what, what it – for both of you, I guess, like, what do you think is the most important thing to do when you're first running games? When you're starting out, like, what would your uh, uh, starting advice be? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I okay. think uh, – First time GMs, I would imagine, just like, you know, because, well, I did it when I was seven mm-hmm. for the first time. So, I and also, I don't think I was quite doing it right. But it's this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to play like TMNT and it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, and then, like, and yeah. of course, it's like, we're still at the level of, I do this. No, you don't. Pew, pew. We're still doing that. I, I mean, in some games, yeah. But so, uh, I don't think. I've only done a couple uh, campaigns and they were usually one shots, but I think the, the biggest. Uh, thing was just to be flexible. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you, uh, if something's not really going the way you thought it was, uh, don't let that ruin the experience and just kind of just try to have fun no matter mm-hmm. what happens. Uh, yeah, I think that that is the sort of the key, especially with the improv aspect of it. Um, and uh, being afraid, I think, because a lot of people who message me uh, are like hung up on something. They mm-hmm. think like they can't get past something. They can't mm-hmm. improv that they're going to, you know, be a horrible GM. They're not like, going to know the rules. Yeah. Or- yeah. Well, nobody knows the rules. Everyone's there to have fun. Yeah. I think that's the most important part. Is yeah. If you're not having fun, then you're kind of what's the point of mm-hmm. doing yeah. it? Everything else is usually incidental to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, but I mean, there are specific things you can do. So like, usually like the, the sort of areas you have to do to run a game is first, you have to learn the rules of the game to a degree, like obviously, yeah. uh, if and you learn them too well, that can actually make it not fun. Oh yeah. Don't want to, um, actually everyone, whenever they try to do something. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're the GM, I think to a degree that's because you want everybody to be consistent. Uh, at and, least. yeah, we've had some situations where like one player, one or two players are like, know the rules inside and out, like. They know like their Bible, yeah, and everyone else doesn't, and it's kind of gets like, oh, like what what are they doing? Is that can we do that? Yeah. So, well, I would say for the the GM uh, for your first time reading the book, obviously read it uh, like as much of it as you can. If you can't, don't have time to read it cover to cover. Uh, try to at least read the big important parts. You know, <laughs> like if you're gonna be and what are the important parts? Like I would say, like what kind? Well, th- think about what kind of adventure, what kind of story you want to tell. Like if you're doing one with a lot of combat, make sure you understand the combat rules. <laughs> if you're doing something that's like a talkie, 
kind of game. Yeah. Uh, then if there's social conflict rules or negotiations, uh, that kind of thing, you, you would definitely want to learn those rules. Um, obviously you should probably, uh, one thing that in most role playing games, they have this thing called session zero, which is a, 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 where you all sit down and make characters together and sort of talk about what you want the premise of the game to be. Uh, and that's a very important sort it of, is yeah. very much. So have you ever done like a session zero? Have you no, heard of I this have term? Not. <laughs> okay. So yeah, in session zero, um, this is before it, you actually sit down and run your game. Uh, everybody like sits down and talks about what kind of game they want to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they want to be in it and what kind of characters they want to make for it. So the GM will often sort of like, as the GM, you'd like pitch, I want to run this type of adventure. I want to run a nautical adventure where you're all pirates and you're ra- fighting this evil kingdom and you're like Robin Hood, but on the sea and there's mermaids and robots yeah. for some reason. You know? It's probably not good to have one guy. All right, I'm going to play a ruthless killer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe, yeah, but then you could also make that into a negotiation because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, even because this is sort of like the introduction of like the other sort of important concept, this social contract, like the idea that everyone's here sort of <laughs> playing by the same rules of etiquette yeah, and yeah. like give and take, you know, you don't want someone to like make your characters and bring them to the, sh- the, the first session. And then you're like, I'm a God. Yeah. Like, that's kind of hard to work. Around. Like, yeah. <laughs> and usually those, yeah, those situations you'd like, wow, those are some very impressive stats you've rolled up. <laughs> like Almost suspiciously good i'm sure that your dice really said those numbers yeah yeah or the idea like the players like i'm playing a ranger whose family was murdered by goblins and i hate goblins and they're my 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 preferred enemy and i i'm the goblin slayer and, and the then like, like i'm a goblin uh, yeah i'm a, I'm a goblin i, <laughs> I like, could make for some interesting things but uh, but not if like the person's just like i just hate this person always and i'll never talk to them yeah well, exactly i mean i mean yeah if the group knows each other yeah. that's less of a problem yeah um yeah, one thing about that is like uh, that's often sort of a, a very common thing in role playing games. The scenes will start out very dramatic and very interesting, but then people will like dig in and be like, "I'll never talk to you. I'll never do that." And that's not how like drama works because characters eventually have to relent and work with each other or like come to some sort of resolution, not just like say no and <laughs> like everything stops. Yeah, you know? like I ran the online my first online version of the Skin Deep game that mm-hmm. I did. I actually I, like I said, "Okay, like session 0 like Read some of the comics so you kind of know what's going on here. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is about role-playing games is that there's still storytelling, which mm-hmm. is important, like, in uh, Corey Bing's comic, Skin <laughs> Deep. So, uh, yeah, do you think, that, like, any of the storytelling principles you've learned uh, while writing and creating Skin Deep would apply to role-playing games? I think so. Uh, I haven't played the any of the games based off of my comic, but I have kind of peeked in every once mm-hmm. in a while to see what's going on. And uh, I think, I feel like... The 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 ones that work the most are people that try to work within the story and not be like, I like the story, but I want this one character that I made a long time ago that I want to export into this mm-hmm. setting, but it doesn't really work in the setting, but I'm going to make it work in the setting. And it's like, that's that could work, but it's not as much fun as oh, like... Wow. What, what was the most egregious example of that? Um, I'm trying to think. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's usually because like, Skin Deep only has a certain amount of... I mean, there's a there's limit. There's the... the, the uh, ability to have a whole bunch of different species of, mm-hmm. of animals, but there's like a certain amount of species that show up often in the comic. And there's some of them, they're like, these are extinct. Like, our dragons are extinct. Like, well, I have a dragon character. It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, there is a dragon in the comic and they're not oh. technically extinct, but like, it, it would cause a big problem like you wouldn't really be able to play yeah like they don't have medallions yeah they don't have medallions so you couldn't really play the more fun aspects of it which is disguising yourselves as humans and trying to get like be part of this underground society if you're Mm -hmm. this one yeah so it's like you could do that but it's not really in the spirit of Mm -hmm. the fun for it and it's like it's like this is extinct well i'm that i'm that special thing that's extinct like well (laughs) wouldn't you rather be this other thing like a a griffin or like a bugbear they seem to be popular they're fine Uh, I, I, I like that idea. Yeah, that, that, that is sort of a, a inter- very good point. You have to make your character work with the setting mm-hmm. in particular, because like my character is the most special snowflake. Yeah. yeah. And then like, no, my character is the most specialist snowflake. Yeah, and then and, it's like, oh, the story is about me. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe it could be about all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not about my players. I mean, I gave, I had a little leeway because it takes place during world war two, mm-hmm. but no, the whole group, they read the comic and like, they're like, Oh yeah, it's like yeah, totally. And everything they made was absolutely with. I love the characters that like that y'all came up with. Those have been fun to draw. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> you commissioned uh, me several times. Different characters, they're always fun. <laughs> oh yeah, like Eugene, the uh, mm-hmm. Jub Jub Bird, yes. was once an executioner. <laughs> 
so yeah, going back to the session zero thing, like mm-hmm. everyone should talk about the characters that they want in this game, the the player characters, and that they agree they they're they're sort of congruent with the setting. Uh, and then of course, by this point, we should have some sort of unspoken social contract, like, Hey, we're all going to work together. It's a story about all of us, not just one of us. Uh, and so then you get to the actual planning of the, so as your GM, you've, you should do that first. Like, uh, unless you're wanting to just sort of do a one shot, kind of test the waters, then you can sort of make up characters. Like everyone's going to play these roles. Like, uh, and that, that's sort of a fine Mm -hmm. way to start out GMing is like making up characters. So. Um, like Corey, if you were going to run, uh, an adventure in a one shot adventure in skin, mm-hmm. the setting, like what kind of characters would you make for that adventure? Like the, for, for players who didn't want to, you know, you, you just want to have these characters ready to go. So players, you're playing this person, you're playing this person. I would find that like, if I was going to have like a set amount of characters, I would try well, to like the up. players. Yeah. yeah. Like the, if, yes, if I had like four or five, mm-hmm. I would try to come up with like a, a range of characters that for like my setting specifically, it would be. Uh, I think it would be easiest to fit characters if they're like if they were the more kind of mundane creatures of the world. Mm-hmm. So like have like griffins and satyrs and stuff, and like mm-hmm. but also then have like some kind of weirder ones stuck in mm-hmm. that would kind of mesh well together. Oh, we should probably explain the basic premise of Skin oh, yes. Deep. Yeah, <laughs> Skin Deep is about uh, mythical creatures that have been living hidden from the rest of humanity since the Middle Ages, using uh, magical medallions to disguise themselves as humans. Mm-hmm. And so, but the main conflict is that some species have medallions and some don't. So like some species can hide themselves easily and kind of integrate themselves into human society really easily. And some would rather just like be themselves, be themselves and yeah. be public. And why are we hiding all the time? So like mm-hmm. there's a central conflict and there's, <laughs> there's a lot of Griffins. There's a lot of satyrs. There's, there's a lot of uh, like certain amount of like stock fantasy characters, but there's also weirder ones like Ozellum birds, which are, is a, a myth about a bird that can fly backwards so it's always sees where it's been, but it doesn't know where it's going. Sort of uh, mm. the original myth for it, and like I like to kind of dig around and find the weirder ones and see how I could mm-hmm. fit them into the story without like completely breaking all the rules that I've already set up. Have you used the PSR? The which one? The PSR? No, it is. Um, it's. I'll send you a link. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's originated in uh, sort of the the water panther of Native America. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, water panthers, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they became a bird like creature mm-hmm. and like and. There's a whole fake lore element to it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, there's a, there's a PSA Illinois, I think. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've they, mainly focused on just uh, European and surrounding mm-hmm. ones just because I, that's what I know the most. Of. Okay. And yeah. I try to, I try to integrate more from different cultures, but I try to like, I don't really feel comfortable integrating different cultures in until I know them very mm-hmm. well. Cause I don't want to be like, here's, I'm just going to take this. And oh, sure. And like, here's a Wendigo. You don't want to pull a JK Rowling. Yeah. No, I don't want to, I do not want to pull a JK Rowling. <laughs> at all so. i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Wait, she, all right. did, she used the momo that was pretty yes fun. well because i'm from missouri so i had to oh, use yeah. the yeah. momo and, and that's uh, just a, and that, ravi's un- yeah. unwilling assistant yes yeah. so yeah. um so you have the setting uh mm-hmm. it's, it's a very good setting like definitely to get easily turn a little yes. into a role-playing game and so you have sort of like you're you're like a lower power more mundane characters yeah. like yeah like griffins and satyrs okay. are usually kind of the most mm-hmm. populous ones and then like Depending on like what kind of like time setting would be important mm-hmm. for like like you said that you set yours in World War Two and mm-hmm. so like setting a time period and also locations since a lot of these take place in uh, what are called Avalons which are uh, kind of hidden cities hidden streets little hidden <coughs> just kind of alcoves of mythical creatures where they kind of can come as a community and be themselves and like the one mm-hmm. in the comic is in Liverpool and it's the largest one and it's basically a big town that's hidden in a uh, uh, abandoned abandoned warehouse. And so, like, a lot of people, they'll find, like, cool abandoned buildings to kind of base the story that they're going to have around it. Like, I think the one in the one in uh, the Discord one in New Jersey. I think so. Yeah. So, like, they found a cool yeah. abandoned building in New Jersey to, to set it in. So, Spring, like, the, Springfield was the old tower. Theater. Yeah. Springfield was the old tower theater, the one in Springfield, which is basically just a big, it's like, it's a small, it's just like a shop owned by a fox. And he kind of has some books you can buy. But yeah. And- so, um, what kind of adventure do you think would be good for a starting GM it, using this setting and mm-hmm. using these kind of characters? Like as I guess going to be our example for the episode. Okay. So, um, what do you think would be a good adventure? Uh, I think if, if, I feel like if you would start with either, I'm not, I'm not really super well versed with a lot of role playing games. Okay. So yeah, like, this is sort of the difference yeah. between like story. Yeah. Like, Cause like fiction. The comic, 
yeah. the comic itself is mostly focused on like like mm-hmm. the social aspect of this like kind of day to day slice of life, but also well, you, you can do that in yeah. role playing games. So I'm yeah. learning that more and more yeah, yeah. that you can do more kind of like social contract sort of mm-hmm. uh, deals. And so like it wouldn't be very. I don't think it'd be a very combat focused. Uh, yeah, you can definitely yeah. do that in a game. But, and yeah. uh, so it'd be more like kind of. Cause like the main the main focus of the the main focus of the story is kind of living your day-to-day life while also not being human and kind of the the conflicts that arise with that and mm-hmm. so yeah. whether you're cool with it or you used to be yeah now you're mm-hmm. not yeah so um so maybe Tom can help out with that what do you think would be a good like starter adventure for this setting to use as an example um, I think it might be uh like just just bring all the bring all the characters together. Have someone they know mm-hmm. suddenly uh, like turn. Yeah, that might be and, good. And uh, like it just started out like that. Like, oh crap! This is we gotta get her. We gotta get them off the street before there's yeah. trouble. Okay, that's another part of the story is that people can be born as human but actually be uh, un, uh, uh, unturned mythical mm-hmm. creatures. And if they get their hands on uh, a medallion that will break the, the human spell and turn them back to their original form, so you could be someone you could think you're a human, and then all of a sudden, no, oh, no, I'm a satyr. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you have some other people. Part of the part of the community that see that, like, oh, we need to help this person get their bearings in this new world. Okay, yeah. Or it could even be like one per one of your friends who doesn't have a medallion has to get from this point. That would be good to yeah. this point, and like, like uh, the bartender, like the yeah, if you're bartender. a harpy, yeah, if you're a harpy, and because harpies don't have medallions, so they can't just go out in the street, mm-hmm. and so, but you need to go from like one city to another. Okay, so the the, the the scenario is escorting, transporting yeah. this person, like, and the hilarity ensues. Yeah, that yeah. could be cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. I mean, so yeah, I had an idea. To, I was. I, I, they wanted me to do a continue up of the World War Two game, mm-hmm. but set it in New York in the 1970s. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the dingy. There's a lot grimy. you can do with this. Yeah, there's a lot you can do with that setting. Now, yeah. So <clears throat> this is a really good premise for a role playing game because, like, it allows an ensemble cast. Because, mm-hmm. like, role playing games are ensemble cast because there's always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you, you two or want, more players. You don't want yeah. super unique snowflakes, but yeah, exactly. Know, but I'm a little bit snowflake, right? Well, it's not just one person dealing with problems. It's like a whole team yeah. of people dealing <laughs> with a problem, uh, and everyone can contribute. So yeah, and everyone has their own special unique ability, mm-hmm. but it's not like I'm the very magic of everything and i can ch- i can solve every problem right right like yeah. I, I just like i just i do really love the like she has the like goddess like powers of a goddess and i have goat powers yeah i have mm-hmm. goat powers <laughs> uh <laughs> and it also allows i would imagine there are multiple ways of doing this yeah yeah of solving this problem of getting this person from one place to the other like uh do you st- get a van and drive them there or can you <laughs> use a magic portal mm-hmm. or like do they well is the problem even convincing them to go in the first place mm-hmm. is it a little all of these yeah i like that That's yeah good. So, um, so that's sort of like the first thing you have to think of as a new GM is like, you have to start framing these stories in ways that can be turned into games Mm -hmm. because games have winning conditions and losing conditions and role-playing games. You don't really win, but you can have like, you know, victories and defeats. Yeah. Yeah. An adventure. That's the whole point. (laughs) An adventure. Uh, and there has to be some sort of, usually some sort of what they would call a procedural conflict, like a thing that is not like dramatic per se it's just like we have to solve this technical problem yeah. we have to you know in this like case you don't have to have a big bad evil looming on the horizon yeah. but Com- you do need to have a problem to fix right like, right yeah. your van breaks down and you have a harpy in the back yeah. right exactly <laughs> so like yeah the, the procedural problem can be like there's a bad guy in a dungeon we have to go kill or the problem can be yeah the getting the van fixed while the, keeping the harpy from being seen yeah and that yeah. kind of thing uh, and you can add additional complications, perhaps, you know, people like, see, like no, brought, you know, humans see brought them. weed in the van. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's sort of the first step. And so from there, you'd start planning your adventure uh, and the planning of the adventure can be sort of improv or uh, encounter. So like what kind of encounters, what kind of challenges do you think you would have in that sort of adventure? I think a lot of it be like, <clears throat> like avoiding uh, being seen is would be the the major mm-hmm. one, and so like maybe your van gets pulled over by a cop, then what do you do? Or, mm-hmm. uh, or even like okay, well, why don't we just focus on that one because okay. it was sort of like encounter building. Uh, <laughs> encounter building is sort of like the fundamental aspect mm-hmm. of a role playing game, and the difference between like fiction and role playing games is that in fiction the author just says this is what happens, mm-hmm. but in role playing games. It's like you, the dice or the cards well, yeah. or whatever. Well, it's also the player's choices. Mm-hmm. You don't you you set up a a, a a scene, but you don't know how it's going to be determined. Oh, yeah. And then the the real trick part is you don't know what's going to happen, how that scene is resolved. So you don't know how to what exactly how what what where everyone's going to be for the next scene. Yeah, you assume that they're going to get past the cops, but, but they don't. Yeah, yeah. So like, all right, so the players are pulled over by a cop. Um, 
what do you think, how do you think they could resolve this? Uh, there could be a lot of different things that happen. Like even it could be that the cop is another mythical creature in disguise. Mm-hmm. And so, they, well, you're the GM. So yeah. is the cop a GM? Well, I guess I would probably, I don't, hmm. Yeah. That so was, this is how you have to think. You, you yeah. do get to set, you do get to set the stage. Yeah. So do you want that cop to be human or not? Hmm. <laughs> You've got the power. I do have the power. But you don't have all of it. Yeah, no. I think I think it would be more interesting if he wasn't, but okay. maybe like one of his superiors is. So like if something happens and okay. they end up getting if it arrested, escalates. if it escalates and they get arrested. The sergeant be, on Yeah, like his one of their one of their uh superiors could be a mythical creature in disguise and be like, Okay, you guys can go. Okay. And, <laughs> That's good for a starter adventure yeah. because uh one problem with GMs is like if you write, you do these encounters, they have all these branching paths mm-hmm. that go in different directions. Uh, you One branch could be like, oh, well, game over. Yeah. And then you're like <laughs> 20 minutes in the game. <laughs> and you're like, well, that was a mistake. So, yeah. uh, what are you saying that that happened in things we've done? Yeah. So in role well, playing, everyone's and, dead. Yeah. This is this sort of called the <laughs> fail forward approach where you have to allow players to fail forward, <laughs> at least until the end point in which you can say, well, you got the bad ending because, yeah. you know, like you kept messing up you it's like you fell down the stairs and hit every step on the way down you can only fall upwards so yeah. much so um all right so the cop is normal and they're pulled over so how do, what are what are like two or three ways the players could resolve uh they could try to like if it's a van like i said if they could try to like hide the harpy under mm-hmm. a thing and then try to bluff their way through okay by not like making by hoping that the police person doesn't try right. to search the van or just try to get off without any looking too hard no yeah okay and that what? could be one way of getting mm-hmm. out of it or like if they don't do well at that, then the policeman could become uh, like uh, suspicious and want to kind of check out the thing, the mm-hmm. everything. And if they end up searching the car, then they find the harpy in the car. Okay. And then what happens then? Okay. Would players have some sort of magical power or something like that to I, be, a ple- be able depends to? Depends on what they play. Depends on what they play as. Um, some are more magical than others. There could be some, or also some just, could not even, it could be a mundane thing of someone being really good at sweet talking their mm-hmm. own situations or. Yeah. So yeah. this is sort of a role playing game concern. Players can build different, characters with different abilities yeah. to overcome different obstacles. Uh, and certainly if this is a more grimdark game, the players yeah. could just kill the cop. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. if they had an Emian lion, they could just punch out the well, cop. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> the total tone of the comic says that wouldn't happen. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it could if they were got if they got nervous enough and they had someone just punch the cop out and then they ran away and then deal with that outfall down. Right. That, so that as the GM, later. you have to wait until you give this scene to the players mm-hmm. to find out what they're yeah, going what they're to gonna do. do. And then you have to resolve it. So like, uh, now you've done very good by saying like, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a friendly cop, a friendly non-human cop waiting at the station to help them just out. in case something, just in case yeah, it, yeah. As, as insurance. So, but, um, so the players, you know, they could, so we have multiple situations you have to be resolved. So either they get away clean, they talk their way out of it, or they use magic powers mm-hmm. or B they punch out the cop yeah. and now they're on the run yeah. and probably forget the dash cam. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and then, or three, they get arrested and they go to jail. Yeah. So you have to prepare for all three contingencies. Mm-hmm. And like with the second one, punch, forward, it, to punch out the cop, that could become, well, I guess this is about running away from the cops now. Cause that's exactly. the story. That's excellent. That's an excellent <laughs> yeah, like, point. Yeah. Are you suggesting the small town cops are not kind yeah, to right. people? Uh, who do I that? don't think anybody's really yeah, kind of no, to get punched out by yeah, no. a Nemean lion. That sounds, yeah. they sound very strong. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well, I got, well, if it was a Nemean lion, I think that cop kind of kind of top up, just kind of tap him, and then he probably go or down. Just like, All right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just kind of go down. But also, like because of the setting, mm-hmm. it's not like there aren't ways if, like, <laughs> if they are being chased by the law, there are like options of getting like because okay. of the setting, the the mythical society of be like it's got because there's got to be a way before to get away from because it's been it's been hidden for this long, and like a big thing with the comic is that. It's been hidden for this long. No one really knows exactly why humans haven't figured it out yet, but Mm -hmm. it's been kind of implied that they're either enough non-humans in higher places to be able to kind of like shake off suspicion or that humans just are really good at justifying the impossible that things they see as being it's like oh that must have been something else i didn't see that happen or denial just, or yeah. kind of choosing not to know yeah that too like the cop could wake up and be like well that didn't happen like <laughs> so and then not call it in yeah, yeah yeah so um so as you can see now as the potential gm if you're creating this adventure you mm-hmm. realize you have to create not just one path a to b but you have to create you know a to b to c to d or a to e to f to g yeah. to and that's, know, where, yeah. that's where improv can a to one play. to two yeah. to b yeah so uh but what if the players all say well before we let's not use the van at all let's go get tickets and go to the airport you know like, <laughs> 
Well, uh, if you got a harpy, like you don't, you know, you can, you don't mind flying cargo, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like let's go to the airport. It's like, well, come back tomorrow when I've come up with what the airport is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so um, that's sort of the 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 what the person going back to the original tour discussion was really concerned with it was how do you improv? Mm-hmm. And um, there's sort of the question is. Uh, are you familiar with the term railroading yeah. as in ro- yeah, role playing yeah. games? So, um, Tom, would you, yeah, you, you, what, what is the difference between being able to improvise things and like railroading players to a given situation? Uh, improvising is kind of going, like going with what they're doing. Um, you know, like, okay. Oh, this is, I absolutely didn't see this happening, but okay. This is where we're going. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed, as opposed to railroading, which is no, this, that, that never happened. Oh, that didn't happen. You did this. Like I, <laughs> Honest, I think that poster right there is one of the most famous incidents of me having to go with it I've ever. Oh, the shark punching incident. (laughs) It was was, uh, yeah. One of our player, uh, one of our players was it was they were shanghaied in the 1840s, and one came just refused to go along with it, and then, but the crew is like, well, that's fine, but everyone pulls their weight on the ship, and if you don't, we're not going to feed you. Mm -hmm. And so finally, he's like, well, what if I do something to prove myself, and then someone who at the table who I'm totally not going (laughs) to. Indicate, she said, "Why don't you go kill a shark?" <laughs> but I think Ross did that, not knowing that this player would do that. Kill a shark? No, I definitely wanted him. Oh, he totally him. wanted, yeah. and yeah, yeah. he did, and got a knife, and they're like, "I guess we're doing this now." And <laughs> luckily, the cami book had rules for sharks. Oh, that's and good. I, I just like, I was like, "Okay, go combat." Okay, three it, three rounds. One of, one of the fun things I like, because like. I was saying before that my I don't have a lot of a uh, of role playing experience, but I do listen to the Adventure Zone mm-hmm. and uh, the first <coughs> first arc of that, which is the kind of the starter classic D and D arc that uh, I didn't I didn't know anything about D and D. So after they did the first arc and I listened to it, I went and I got the the starter de- the starter thing for D and D and read what the actual campaign was and what you could actually do. Mm-hmm. And just they went so far off the rails so early on mm-hmm. the first one. It was really fun to see what they made come because like you got everyone has like this starter story, but because <laughs> just depending on who they have, they could just go completely off the rails really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. God, the World War II game that I ran, like, I expected that there's a scene they had to kind of break into this chateau that was occupied by the Germans. Mm-hmm. And one of them is out of the blue, the white stag ran up and got the attention of like a full squad of, of SS mm-hmm. and a tiger tank. <laughs> but the thing is, he ran from them yeah. and there's no way can't they catch can catch a white stag. So uh, he basically lured almost the entire force away. And no matter what they did, could they could not catch him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Because I, I said, okay, we're going with this. Like, just so you know, the whole place is on alert. But yeah, the giant tank is gone. So I guess the problem, the sort of the, the concern for new GMs and what this mm-hmm. new GM in particular was, was like, where does improving end and railroading begin? Because like, you know, there's sort of like, there's this premise that you have run this adventure in this certain space, like yeah. this story <laughs> space, like getting this person from this from this place to this place and you obviously haven't like simulated the entire universe you haven't like thought of every potential person on this planet and everything <laughs> else so obviously you can't just like if they decide to quit and become like exterminators in wyoming you know, <laughs> or something like uh you know or start a bar somewhere like that would be you 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 could be like okay well you're not playing the game anymore yeah. so like the question is like how far can i improvise like how far can I let the tell the players like, yeah, you can you could do this thing that I didn't expect, or you'd be like, no, 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 you need to come back closer to what I wrote out. That also feels like something that is like with a lot of stuff. I would think with with uh, role playing is being able to gauge the room. Like mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. the party very much does not want to go in the way that you <laughs> wanted them to go, then trying to force them back on track would be railroading. But if they're kind of getting off track and you kind of just kind of nudge them back towards to yeah. the way, yeah. But uh, I think that's the thing for especially yeah. new GMs is they may not feel good about mm-hmm. their improv ability, so they feel like they have to stay ex- yeah. only in the stuff that they wrote even though it would necessarily like an airport. So like, you know, the skin deep setting pretty well. Mm. You could probably think on your feet. Yeah. Yeah, You'd be (laughs) like, well, airports are like this in skin deep. And like, these are the kind of concerns that they would have. That's probably something you thought about Mm. before. So that wouldn't be (coughs) too hard for you. Yeah. So you would probably be okay with them. So I guess doing. like it's knowing the setting really well would yeah. help a lot with mm-hmm. improving. And also, yeah, it depends on the airport. Yeah, too. I mean, yeah, it's like for if you're a new GM, I feel like knowing 
kind of the world and being yeah. able to like if something happens to this character in this world what would happen sort of yeah um, so it's sort of like more of an ecology like more of like yeah. an e- or an ecosystem you know, there, so yeah like, there's there's the the what are the consequences of these actions like set in this specific yeah. world mm-hmm. and that's actually important just not being afraid of con- the consequences yeah. like okay you guys can go do this just but this is possible. Yeah. This could happen. And that's a big part just about storytelling in general is like knowing the world well enough. And like, like, I mean, you don't have to, but it helps for more like solid world building. If you kind of know gen- in general, like if this happens, what are the consequences? And then if this happens, <clears throat> what are the consequences? Right. I mean, I mean, the thing about railroad and the reason why players don't like it is because it takes away the consequences of their actions to agree because their choice doesn't matter. Yeah, like exactly. they're, you're going down. It's a, it's a one way path from, yeah. Uh, from A to B to C to D and there's no choice and yeah. like choices should have consequences yeah. and if the choices don't have consequences what does any yeah, of this like matter? Yeah, like if your character is just like I blow up the entire building and it's like well uh, roll for it and then if they do blow up the entire building then it's like well I guess we're figuring out what happens if you blow up an entire building in this right. thing. Right. Which, which in this case uh, the whole city's on lockdown. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, a railroad GM was like okay well in the next scene we're going to a party over here like wait wait, I blew up a building yeah. well that's not in my notes so yeah, right, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, you blew up the building in the next scene and then, then a big rain cloud comes and extinguishes it and it's fine it's yeah like, exactly no, no. or you don't <laughs> yeah move you're now at a party yeah like, <laughs> or, the, or that day it's like oh it was a gas main like this this happened to admit this happened an hour ago yeah yeah uh yeah. so that's sort of the so for a gm so i don't know tom do you have any advice for that gm who's uncertain about like how far they can improvise how far they can like go beyond their written notes i once again like uh it, it it will become obvious when it's ob- when it's clear when it, the players are really just going. I mean, I mean, there's like you know, there's like there's you know, there's the branches A, B, C, uh, but you can tell when they're going F or like Z over yeah. here. <laughs> at that point, you're like, oh, I don't think they're interested in what I'm doing at all. So let's change it. Yeah, yeah. It's, all right. I, I think it's more just most players, and I've gamed for a long time, and even with groups I don't know, and most of the time they want to see where you're going to take them. You know, they still want it to be their adventure, but they definitely want to see, okay, like you're taking me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Very few times have I encountered players that are like that. And you could pretty, you can realize what's going on pretty and quick. And it's also kind of against the spirit of it if you're being like, I don't want to deal with what the GM wants, wants, or not even that. Like, it's just like, I don't want to play ball with this. I want to do something completely yeah. different. It's like, well, then you're kind of not in the spirit of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. And actually, and the one, the few times it's happened, the other players are very clear, like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think uh, you're both really dead on, especially talking about consequences and choice. Cause Mm -hmm. that's the whole point. Like the the role-playing games are collaboration to create, to create a story as it is happening. And that's what you get with like, like this isn't role-playing, like a tabletop role, like video games. If you think that you have a choice and then the ending is you don't have a choice at all. I like, well, that's, I don't like that. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how good. Looking at you, Mass Effect. Looking I, at you. I liked Mass Effect's ending, but I do wow, understand. Hot take. I do understand <laughs> that if you are really in, involved in the my, my everything I did has a consequence, mm-hmm. and then the ending is just like okay. pick your color. Okay, Mass Effect three after all the ex- add-ons was good. Citadel was really good. Citadel, <laughs> Citadel was the it was best. Very good. But no, I, I can understand. <laughs> I liked it personally, but I can understand people who were very uh, disappointed, mm-hmm. thinking that they had a whole bunch of choice, and then finding out that they didn't have as much choice as they thought they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it, relevant ta- tangent right, actually hey, so, we're, yeah. like, we're nerds we'll go on tangents yes, I know, it's true I, weirdly enough you, I know that uh, <laughs> so now you have all this in mind knowing that like what it takes to create a role playing game story like an, an, a scenario like how much do you think you'd have to write before you'd be ready to run this skin deep game um well I mean I've been writing skin deep for a, 12, little, a little while 12 years actually 13 this month oh my god <laughs> Oofa doofa. Yeah, it's uh so like I have kind of I've got a, like several years of backup of I kind of know the story pretty or, like they're the, the setting right. really well. But we're talking about but, these, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like if I have like a setting that I like it's like the the getting a harpy from point A point mm-hmm. to point B setting, uh I feel like I know the world well enough that I could basically it, it, anything that the I feel like anything that the players wanted to kind of do, I would mm-hmm. kind of be able to roll with it mm-hmm. just because I know the setting really well. But if I didn't know the setting as well, I would like to have at least like, like a couple like endings, like the mm-hmm. A, B or C endings really mapped out just in case it had, like if they like, really think about what players could do in certain situations and try to guess what they might want to do and okay. kind of guess mm-hmm. from yeah. there. Um, one thing that I do a lot of times is I create encounters without knowing exactly when they will be oh, yeah. in there. 
uh, like sort of like, oh, at this point, the bad guy attacks them. You mm-hmm. know, like there's that that old uh, uh, saying from uh, I think it was Raymond Chan. It was like, when in doubt, like I have two guys with guns coming through the door. <laughs> so like when in doubt, <clears throat> a penguin blows up. Yeah, penguin blows up. Yeah, something like that happens. And so like, for example, in the skin deep setting, there's probably characters with magical powers who could just find the player characters yeah. wherever they are yeah. and just be like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, like, what is up with this? Come yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> you could have like kind of like a just kind of like a, a box full of, of encounters that that you can go like while you're playing, be like, "Oh, this would be a good time for this one." I exactly. Yeah. And here right. you go, plop. Or is that yeah, like, oh yeah, John Wick's in the bar. You're yeah. Right <laughs> uh, so yeah, usually I have a couple of goal posts, like a, a definitely a beginning setup, and then like an ending in mind. Like at this point, the scenario is done. Like in a lot of games, I run. <laughs> Our mystery so like they've mm. either solved the mystery or they're never going to solve my mystery yeah yeah uh or the players are de- dead from the evil things that caused the <laughs> mystery worse. in the first place yeah. yeah or worse uh but uh and then sort of i have a bunch of things in between like because i understand the sort yeah. of like the ecology of everything that's going on um or the ecosystem really yeah uh, tom what do you what for writing scenario like what do you usually do like in terms of it is- how much you write um, I generally more have outlines than I do mm-hmm. anything like if it's mysteries, I have to know, okay, what clues are found where, mm-hmm. where that could lead them. Otherwise I, a lot of the game, I just kind of keep have on the top of my head. I have a few notes, mm-hmm. maybe a page of them, yeah. but it's, I'm more kind of like, I, I kind of like scenarios where I don't know exactly what's all going to happen. Oh, yeah. Right. And, but some games that's, or that's more. Yeah, that's a more uh, better to do for some games than others. Like mysteries, you really don't. Yeah, I was do just that. thinking, like if you depending on what kind of if it's an adventure or like a mystery, especially if it's like a closed door mystery where you mm-hmm. know what all the facts mm-hmm. are, and you know what's going on, so you just have to discover it. So there's not a whole lot. I mean, there's still room. Well, for finding clues, is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and this is where the game part uh, mysteries are a whole uh, kind of separate category. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should run at least a few basic adventures first before you really <laughs> dive in that. Um, because mysteries, I feel there's the game part where maybe you miss clues because you failed some game mechanic. The clues like, are still there. Yeah. The clues yeah. are still there, but you didn't roll well, or you didn't allocate your character's abilities or use your, you used your character's abilities incorrectly. Like mm-hmm. you use them up too early and so you don't have them or you use them or get wrong or you made wrong choices. Like you alienated potential witnesses or whatever. Uh, but I mean, the core thing for mysteries is interpreting evidence. You know, you have the, these um, this information, and you have to figure out what it actually means. I gave you all the clues, yeah, policeman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once you okay, so you've written some encounters for your adventure, and you have more in mind. You certainly know the setting well enough. Um, what do you think? And you're ready to run the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going to do anything before you actually just sit down at the table and start running it, or do you feel like uh, you're? I don't know. Uh, I would encourage the players to read the comic a little bit. Yeah. So know the game. I would, I, yeah, I would, I would prefer for the people to kind of know the setting before mm-hmm. going into it. I like the idea of the session zero of just kind of getting familiar with the setting and the characters and everything mm-hmm. before you really just kind of jump into it. Right. Uh, I mean, sometimes you don't do that because it's a game you just want to try out yeah, or yeah. it's a convention or something like mm-hmm. that. It's more of a casual thing. Uh, so I know for one thing, I try to make sure everybody knows the game rules, mm-hmm. like the basic mechanics of like how their character works and the things that they can do. Like if they have a special magic power, like the Nami line, like, oh, here's what your how your strength mechanic yeah. works. And I would honestly discourage people yeah. from playing those. Yeah. Would okay. it be fun, though? Like, would it would be fun to have sort of like if you know your have a, a group of new players to kind of write scenarios where, where like they could really use their abilities, kind of make sure they know the mm-hmm. rules, kind of mm-hmm. like kind of, kind of a tutorial. tutorial level, kind yeah. Of, yeah. I'm a very big pro- proponent of that myself. Um, I know those D and D starter adventures tend to be like that mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. Uh, certainly D and D also has this thing called sort of uh, niche protection where like in D and D you have, different roles for characters like this character stands in front of the enemies and Mm. holds the Mac. He's the tank. Then this character heals the tank. So he doesn't die. And then there's the wizard in the back who blasts all the enemies, (laughs) you know, uh, and that, and then there's the rogue who finds traps. And so, um, I would imagine skin deed probably doesn't have as much of that because it's more character focused and comedic rather than, you know, like we must kill all the monsters, you know, uh, or solve all the bad guy mysteries. Um, yeah. I mean, we're someone playing a member of the Finn family. You'd have the power money. Yeah, yeah, power. I have money. Well, I mean, how does that work in game? Can yeah. they just charter a private jet then? Yeah, is, I mean, that's kind of what I was implying. With like, as part of my comic, is I had someone go across the fly from Missouri to uh, Liverpool, and it's like, how'd she get through airport security? It's like, well, he has a lot of money. 
mm-hmm. and they probably had a private jet. Well, right. so. I think one of the reader questions was actually like, how does like like how does Jim get by? He's like, so like how does he fly? Like first class. I'm rich. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you would have to have mechanics for that. And then, of course, you also have to think that increases a new problem or sort of a new thing to consideration. Are the characters too powerful yeah. for certain yeah. things? Like, is this going to trivialize the encounter if they can just charter a jet? <laughs> yeah. And that's always that's always a challenge isn't right in the comic, too. It's right. like I have all these characters with all these different powers. Like, what if this one person, this one character could just like f- defeat everything mm-hmm. and be done with it. It's like, that's not very much fun. Yeah. So, like, yeah. That's good. Like anemian lion. Like, yeah. Remember, it's like, okay, there's like, you, you punched out the cop and now there's a military Humvee with an M60. Like, well, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in that case, you could add in a complication. Perhaps yeah. someone is chasing this character, this harpy that they're trying to yeah. carry across. Maybe it's a, one of the harpy's family members who's convinced that they can save them or something yeah. like that. Or and like like in the comic itself, like one of the main characters is this. Who's she's implied she's a sphinx and she's implied to have like this all powerful kind of goddess <laughs> ability, but also she has no idea how to use any of her powers. So like she's not very good at that and like maybe in the future she might be mm-hmm. a powerhouse that wouldn't be very much fun to play with but right now she's just like i don't know how to do anything <laughs> but people expect her to know yeah how to people do expect things. her to know how to do things she's like i don't know how to do this why are you asking me right so then in that case maybe she in, in the game mechanics you could either have it like she doesn't have the power yet so yeah <laughs> or like roll a dice and maybe she just completely fails at it or maybe mm-hmm. she she pulls it off or maybe she fails um there are some games that like let you build up points mm-hmm. uh like fate and you get fate points and yeah. then you can spend them to gain advantages later on so like uh perhaps it could be a fate point mechanic yeah. so like you if you build up five points you can spend all five to activate her power that'd be good yeah yeah so something and also like in like skin deep because there is magic in skin deep but it's very like notoriously finicky to use mm-hmm. so like having a very high failure rate if you want to try to do a spell <laughs> looking at you tim <laughs> yeah and like and like they have a lot of repercussions so like it's like magic is really powerful but it also has very powerful repercussions if it doesn't work right so mm-hmm. you have you can't just be flying off uh magic missile all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, those are all valid concerns, and that's sort of like again on the GM to understand what the ca- what the player characters can do, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what the what their adversaries, what challenges they are facing, and um, a lot of this just is uh, for new GMs. This is just practice. Like you just have to like run mm. the games to learn these sort of pitfalls and like what's comfortable with you and your players to a certain degree. Um, uh, but yeah, that that that's sort of um, the the basic concerns uh, for me in terms of like running an adventure for the first time. Um, are there any other concerns you would have with running an adventure? Uh, not. I I feel like it's one of those things that I would have to kind of experience deal, deal with them as I come to yeah, them, yeah. sort of thing. But I feel I feel a lot more confident in being able to do. Or, if I okay. actually, I would yeah. like, actually, I'd say play some games first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, playing games is definitely fun, but somebody's got to run it. Yeah. Everybody's new. But someone's got to... Yeah, I would definitely not want to just jump into to, uh, to DMing without mm-hmm. having played games first to kind of see how they work out. Um, actually, there's a bit, another bit of advice for new GMs. Um, you know, often these games will have uh, stat material to mechanically describe like non-player characters. You know, like this, like in D&D, of course, th- these monsters have this many hit points and their armor class and here's what they're... <coughs> Here's what their attacks are and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so <laughs> one thing you can do is uh, basically those stats are just numbers. So you can assign them to another character. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, here's a crab monster. Well, that I don't need a crab monster, but I do need a turtle monster. Oh, look. Yeah. Hey, this turtle monster. Has suddenly, crab stats. Yeah, it has crab <laughs> stats. So Wait, are you saying Pinchy was no Pinchy should have been a turtle? <laughs> I mean, Pinchy still works as a turtle's name because the bike hey, could be Pinchy. Yeah. So uh, there, you can you can reuse stats and re you know just take stats from one thing to another mm-hmm. and like reuse them. Or and uh, again, this sort of there's this again Schrodinger's plot element where like the dilemma <laughs> yeah. shows up wherever you need it to show. Yeah, like up. if you're if you're in the middle and like the in the middle of a campaign and someone says that they want to adopt uh, one of the characters as a pet. You don't have any stats written up for that character. It's like, yeah. well, I'm going to find, you, can, you can't just, you don't want to go like, no, you can't do that. Cause that yeah. kind of just stops everything in those tracks. Yeah. And you want to kind of, you want a yes. And yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's a very good point. Yeah. Also be careful. Of, if you create a memorable NPC, <laughs> the players may just may want you to, keep playing him forever. Barry oh yeah. That actually does bring up an entirely different part, which is actually the role playing part as the GM. So as a GM, you have to role play. You have to act out as many different characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Any, any advice for new GMs for that, Tom, or, uh, I, I would say, it? uh, just, you know, just kind of know who they are. I mean, if usually, if you create a character, you probably know 
how this character sounds, what they would do. Uh, so it, and also, and I think it's, it's good just on the fly think of like, okay, I need a guy here. Um, I mean, you don't have to come up with a unique voice for every single character. Yeah. You know, you don't be like, hey, this... Oh, get a random name generator loaded on Definitely yeah. get a random oh, yeah. name generator. Yeah. You don't have to have, like, the entire history of the character and his lineage figured out, but... But and, they can't all be Steve. Unless the players yeah. demand it. Yeah. Which, yeah. Raw, like, that first happened with a goblin in yeah. one of our games. Uh, would you suggest, like, to people who, they if they want to be a DM, but they haven't had many, many chances to play... Uh, a game themselves before DMing, like maybe listening. There's a lot of uh, D&D podcasts, like actual play podcasts sure. and stuff. Would that be? <laughs> like role-playing, uh, uh, RPP, actual play. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, or, or the Adventure Zone or whatever, or yeah. Critical Role, whatever. Critical Role, like getting, because getting, yeah. I feel like, like I didn't know much about it at all before mm-hmm. listening to Adventure Zone and kind of hearing was like also, because I, I, it was kind of uh, intimidating when I first started thinking about uh, role-playing games. I didn't really get, want to get into it because like, it seemed like everyone was very knew exactly what they were doing all the time. And then mm-hmm. listening to the Adventure Zone and seeing that, no, they're just making it up as they sure. go along. And, they're, mm-hmm. and some of it fails and some of it doesn't. And they just kind of go on. And that made me feel a lot. It's like, oh, this is actually something that could yeah. be done. And it's yeah. not. And I do, improv is easier with people you know. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. less intimidating. And practice, but yeah. Um, another thing is also don't worry about getting all the rules right. Try yeah. to get most of them right, or at least the core rules right. Mm-hmm. But like, don't worry if you get fall damage wrong like yeah. if a character falls <laughs> off a cliff and you roll the wrong number of dice it's what's fine. what's the game that has like notoriously horrible like grapple rules or something it's like as soon as you have to do like like hand-to-hand combat it's like oh no we're playing this. i mean there's <laughs> most games D actually has pretty bad grapple yeah, rules it's like, oh no um, please pick up a weapon i don't want to yeah, do d20, this yeah d20 in particular has got uh, a lot of uh <laughs> world of darkness has bad grapple rules honestly every single role playing oh, game no. has bad grapple <laughs> please, please pick up a weapon i don't want to have to do yeah this no to- grapple rules are notoriously bad in every role playing game <laughs> that's, like, that's one of those things i remember hearing from and talking about I was like oh no yeah uh dnd in particular because there's a lot of different cho- checks to make uh yeah, yeah. and also, i forget things like in eclipse we were playing a eclipse phase game mm. i'm playing an uplifted octopus who got <laughs> who got grappled by a monster in space and i forgot oh wait i have eight limbs i, I think i'm really good at uh Grappling. Yeah, I got the grapple rules wrong for that, but yeah. So, but it's, it's I we didn't like we did we decided we didn't have to just redo everything we did, and, it's right? Just, and that's okay, the thing. Well, that's the thing where like story is more important mm-hmm, than knowing mm-hmm. every rule. And it's like, oh, we got these rules where I have to do the fight over. In fact, again. yeah, I mean, did. the monster was really good at grappling too, <laughs> but I was I was a little better. And then, but we just kind of played it up as like, oh god, I'm panicking. Oh wait, I'm this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, don't worry too much about getting all the rules right. Just try and get most of them right. But um. Also, in terms of like broad, like think, don't get too ha- uh, caught up on like doing correct accents or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, try and act through different, like, um, you know, a a erudite character would be very, yes, very <laughs> speak very carefully and precisely, while uh, a horrible trash goblin be like, yes, yes. <laughs> so like it could oh, be there. It is. Yeah, yeah. It could there, and you know, doing a pirate accent. Arr, yeah. Any any kind of fish doesn't have to be super authentic as long exactly. as the point gets across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, don't do offensive accents. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or yeah, that kind of thing. So, but uh, think more of their personality and how they act to characters. Um. And. Yeah, try and keep make NPCs, non player <laughs> characters, a little different. You mm-hmm. know, so you're not all talking to Bob or yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as long as the players are enjoying the interaction, I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, more than once I play a guy character like, and I'm realizing the characters are into it. I'll just start doing stuff out of sheer excitement, like, <laughs> like oh, I think they like this person. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you want to do more of that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, don't, yeah. Just be open to mm-hmm. new things, I feel like is the really important part. Yeah, of- no, that, that's definitely <laughs> it. Uh, it's not as scary as you think. Um, it's a lot of fun. And when you, and when everybody's like really jazzed at the end, it's like, yeah, we got, we saved the harpy guys. Woo! Yeah, you, as a GM, if the players do that afterwards, you're like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll ask, when do we play next time? Are we play next week? Yeah. So, that's how it starts. Yeah. And that's how it starts. And that's how you get hooked. Um, uh, it's like, yeah, you do that for the first time in 1987. <laughs> now you're doing it 30, you know, like 32 years now later. You, now you have a room full of collect little figurines. And- yep. <laughs> well, Minnie's comments. Oh, God. 
Mini, that's a whole. That's a whole thing. other can of worms. <laughs> uh, can of, un, un, of paint. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, any other concerns you would have or questions uh, about running the game? Not that I can think off the top of my head. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, Very you could. I mean, like, minis and props are also good if you can have them, handouts, yeah, like little. Fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can get a little crafty on it. Uh, certainly, mystery adventures uh, benefit from that most if there's like you know bloody notes oh, and yeah. that kind of yeah. thing. So, or if you can actually yeah. like create the telegram that they yeah. received. And yeah, depending on what yeah. historical Call of Cthulhu like has a lot of like actual like newspaper That's printouts cool. and yeah. things yeah. in the That's back. Fun. Yeah, especially if you're running, like, it would also help to read other adventures, yeah. too. Like, you you read the starter set adventure. Um, you could read other adventures uh, in the same sort of category or genre that you're writing mm-hmm. for. So for Skin Deep, um, there's not a lot of modern... There, there's some modern fantasy. I don't know how many. There, there are modern fantasy uh, role-playing games. There's not many adventures that I can think of off the top of my head, but I'm sure you could find some. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and, uh, also as a GM, try and pick a, a RPG setting that is easy for you to either make up from the fly because there's nothing there like D&D, which mm-hmm. is just... Uh, think, it's every... Else. Every video game and Lord of the Rings and all that other nonsense all put together, or it's the real world, but there's also this. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, everybody kind of knows how airports work. Yeah, it's, it's the real world. But yeah. Sometimes you have an angel riding in the back of your pickup truck. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. So, when we come back, we'll have shout outs and anecdotes. And we're back after our, you know, vaporwave or whatever music I put in there. Because <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, I mean, we just don't. Sometimes know. it's not vaporwave. So incredible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, for shoutouts, first off, we should, uh, Corey, you should tell us more about Skin Deep. Yes, hello. Uh, uh, well, my webcomic Skin Deep is it's been running uh, for it's going to be turning thirteen this year in November, which is now. So yeah, teenager. 13. Yeah, it's turning thirteen. Uh, so if you like to archive binge, there is quite a lot of material to read. It's about mythical creatures living hidden from humanity. Uh, you can find it at skindeepcomic.com. and also uh, I have a Patreon, which is uh, patreon dot com slash Corey Bing, and uh, I you can join the Patreon Pin Club, which is every month you get a uh, a little enamel pin of different Skin Deep characters sent to you. And I also make a bunch of other enamel pins. Uh, like if you like uh, paleo art, dinosaur stuff, extinct animals, I do a lot of uh, extinct animal art, which you can find at uh, coreybing.storeenvy.com. Cool. I know what we'll use as episode art for this. <laughs> uh, that that's a pretty easy catch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pretty I, easy yeah. No, it's like it's awesome work. I, well, thank you. I'm I'm, I'm a patron patron Thanks. and. Uh, so are these uh, these examples? You 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 uh, draw them as they were when they were live. Yes. Or, okay. Not well. Sometimes just I also have a couple skull. I have a, uh, earrings that are like saber tooth tiger skulls. And, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I got some, but most of it I like to to reconstruct yeah. extinct animals yeah. and so kaiju. Like, I, yeah, I like to say it's uh, my 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 shtick is animals that don't exist and animals that don't exist anymore. Oh, so, okay. myth, mythical creatures and extinct animals. And Fair monsters. enough. Kaiju a couple of times. Monsters, cryptids. Yeah. <laughs> It's all good. So. It's all good. Yeah, I actually, um, on the RPPR Patreon Discord, I basically sort of um, God, did some brainstorming with some of the people in the Patreon and talked about doing an RPG basically based on Wacky Race, but we'd call it Cryptid oh, Rally. Really fun. Um, totally and- going with Mott. I've got a yeah. So big, like, there would be different classes for each archetype of racer. I've got such a weakness for the wacky racers. Yeah. Stick. So yeah, <laughs> just do cryptid, right? Yeah, yeah just it's, awesome. it's Mothman in a souped-up uh, uh, sports car. Or yeah, that'd be like awesome. That. Yeah, uh, we'll have to talk about that yeah, because that, I could use art. For really, that. Yeah, I, I would. I would wait, be way into drawing that. Okay, Momo, interesting. Momo in a rum running car. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Flatwoods monster in a UFO. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so for my first shout out, uh, I actually have to be the Murderbot Diaries book two, Artificial Condition. Uh, this is, I, I've been reading that re- recently. Well, I finished it, uh, and it's a very entertaining novel. It is the murder bot on the run trying to find out, uh, whether or not he murdered a lot of people in a mine when he was still under the control of an AI governor. And those you know, are the it, things you want to know. His, his memory had been erased, but he had some vague recollect recollection of the, uh, being on this mining planet. And then he's like, well, what happened? And so, uh, he goes there and gets involved with a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're wacky. Yeah. Uh, he has to deal with this 
uh, ship AI, the spaceship AI that he negotiates with and is very snooty towards him, uh, you know, or tr- helpful. I don't know. He, he's, he, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's delightful is what it is. And layers the, upon layers. There is some murdering in it. Uh, it's great. Well, sometimes he got a murder. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of books, Tom, you've been reading one. Yeah, I got one, uh, for class actually, but I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, the satanic panic, uh, pop culture paranoia in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And now, I live through it, A, and no. B, also, I'm a huge fan of Everything is Terrible, so oh, yes. you've, I've seen many, many videos well, there's on that, it. There's that classic chick track about D&D being about Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> or in the movie, Mazes and Monsters. Oh, yes, maybe Mazes and Monsters. I forgot about Mazes and Monsters. But it's, because uh, it's just, 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 they, just seeing Satan in everything. Everything, everything. Like, rain, like, rainbow bright. Yeah, yeah. Like, or, like... And I love, and it's it has He Man, no, it has images like of the He Man Snake Mountain, like like <laughs> it turns your voice into a demon, and <laughs> uh, very good. It's just God, just the I can't believe the, par- the what people the believe. Yeah, it's bonkers. Uh, speaking of evil, uh, I've been playing a video <laughs> game called Sea Salt, uh, which is about being Dagon. Uh, the god of the sea and uh, the bishop of your church. Uh, you've told him to sacrifice himself for your glory, and he's like, no. And you're like, well, can't have that. So you send a curse of monsters to go, you know, go kill them and everyone who stands in your way. And that's what the game's about. You're the horde of monsters. And so, like, you go find altars and you can summon more monsters. There's like a bunch of different that's, types. That sounds really fun. Yeah. So, like, you can summon cultists that shoot little fi- energy balls that blow up enemies, or you can giant crabs that eat enemies or fishmen or that sounds really fun it's it's very fun it's like an rts without any of the base building element mm-hmm. and it's very simple to play so i just played the demo for is the uh oh what group i can't remember the name of it but it's the mm-hmm. game is called carrion and oh yeah, yeah. i play carrion too yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's basically you're the the monster from the thing trying to escape this met this uh, facility and you're like, escape or eat everyone or, well yeah Maybe a little tra- bit oh, well, of both well you know you, you gotta eat people while you're escaping well, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun yeah, yeah no I, i'm looking forward to I really, like, yeah, yeah. someone did a story like of the thing from the creature's perspective oh, yeah. how it feels mm-hmm. sorry for these people like because they're separate and alone yeah but also i need to live yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah actually there's uh, speaking of, i have been playing another game yeah it's evil bank manager <laughs> it's essentially you're you're running like like a uh like in the 14th uh, like 15th 14th 15th century you're running one of those giant banking institutions mm-hmm. that owned countries a yeah bank, banking magnate yeah so it's kind of like it's set during like th- that time period where you're trying to you know build up your bank to basically become the economy of all of the known world. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. And, I mean, I love sim games oh, me too. to a huge extent. Me too. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Uh, I do actually have one last thing to talk about. Uh, a documentary I watched last night, very good called ramen heads, uh, which is about ramen noodles in Japan. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, and it's great because it focuses apparently like there are these cults. Well, not actual cult, but like, very intense followings of ramen noodle fans for certain ramen noodle chefs. Oh, yeah. So like <clears throat> there's this one guy, Tomito, Tomita, uh, who basically you show up at like six in the morning to book your reservation for lunch oh, that yeah. day. And like, uh, it, it's people wait for hours and hours to get to try his ramen, which he like, he makes, it takes him 27 hours to make the broth. You know, he puts a pig's head in it, oh, you know, and like, some ramen right now. yeah, it's like, they talk about the different styles of ramen, the history of ramen, but like, I love how they take the, th- like the three most famous ramen chefs. They're all going to celebrate, uh, Tomita's 10 year anniversary of his shop opening up. And they're going to do this by making the special ramen just that one day. And only 200, they're only going to be able to get 200 people in. Oh my goodness. And so people wait in for literal a day. Yeah. And so it's like waiting for Comic Con or waiting for this, but just for ramen noodles. Hey, I've had some really good ramen before. I can absolutely understand. I just love that, like, these people are like doing very well. Their restaurants are constantly booked up. They're celebrities, like what's called Mm. the demon of ramen, you know? And the angel of ramen. <laughs> and like, they're like, yeah, no, we're just going to make noodles for 200 people. And that's it. Yeah, and like, uh-huh. they just, they, their noodle shops are all like super tiny, like yeah. 10 people. As soon as their broth is out, then we're closed for the day. Yeah. 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 It's like, they're done. <laughs> like, yeah, we open up at 11. We're closed at five. Yeah. I mean, we, we spend the rest of the day 
preparing and cooking, yeah, yeah. but like it's we we go to bed at like midnight and I wake know. up at five. And I want ramen. Yeah, there's a ramen place down the road. Actually, yeah. that place in Austin so, yeah. is really good. Uh, we'll talk about it at the show. I'll tell yeah. you where it is. So you can have ramen after this. Uh, the, but anyways, it's a really great document. I really love this idea of these people who are basically celebrities, but they're also like, they just cook ramen all the time and people just follow them around and they're, they're like, they, they're so happy. They cry when they eat this ramen. <laughs> no, I can understand that. I've yeah. Had- I've had ramen that good before. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's just, I really like that. Like we don't have anything like that in America where we like, will follow. I mean, not to this degree where we just follow particular chefs or just, we mm-hmm. just appreciate food that much that we will wait that long. I don't know. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it was very nice. So, um, that's it for the shout outs, but then we have the anecdotes of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we could talk about your world war two skin deep game. I guess, yeah. A little um, that was uh really pretty. I said, uh, yeah, there was, uh, just said it during the war because I figured, like, you know, like you know, the the war, the you know, like, because Hitler was looking for magical artifacts. I'm kind of saying, yeah, most of what he found was about 99.8 percent of what he found was just old. <laughs> but he did happen to find a couple of things, like, and the whole it was actually going after the Spear of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like you do the old Wolfenstein special, which I kind of said it's just it can actually kill a demon if if it stabs it. Which is kind of affecting the whole balance of everything. Mm-hmm. I do actually just kill one. Yeah, I, that's yeah. kind of what that was the idea. But the players, I had a white stag who was a mailman who uh, like couldn't deliver mail because you know the blitz was going on. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, the I had the jub jub bird. I had a normal human who just actually happened to have a celestial trumpet because in real life he's a musician. <laughs> and uh, God, I'm totally oh and. Uh, my friend Sean was playing like this unwillingly immortal sorcerer from like, you know, the 13th century <laughs> who is very tired of living. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just like they were being led by a uh, Draugr, a mm-hmm. dead guy who died in World War One, mm-hmm. And essentially it was just a whole lot of them just improvising, trying to find out where they're keeping this thing. And the one that I think everyone agreed was the best was they're – they're in occupied France trying to sneak into this chateau where. Oh, it, well, the white stag led them away? Or? Yeah, that was yeah, this, yeah, yeah. That, was a situa- this, that situation. Mm-hmm. And it was owned by a French nobleman who's like, like of course, you, you can use my chateau as a headquarters. <laughs> of course, I'm all for you. Don't shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the Jub Jub bird is trying to uh, you know, like sneak in, like sneak in. So he's the only one that can fly. Mm-hmm. And. He critically failed two flight checks in a row. <laughs> and as as the player put it, yes, he may have been a bird and may have flown every day of his life since his primary feathers came in, but two crit fails are two crit fails. <laughs> and the owner of the chateau was like up on this little balcony and he just crashes right into it <laughs> in you know full form. Mm-hmm. But I, had, I already said that this guy's uh, f- grandfather was a contemporary of Lewis Carroll and who totally <laughs> believes what he says. No, no, this is, I wrote about it. I, it's a real place. <laughs> and so when he sees one, like the birds, like looking like, like, you know, like, Oh God, this person has seen me. And there's like a, like that moment of potential. And then the guy's like, I knew it was true. <laughs> and this guy becomes the bestie of, of this bird. Like so much so that after the game was over, he says, "Oh no, I still go visit that guy." <laughs> That's cute. Uh-huh. I like that. Uh, because you, it, it was World War II. I didn't want it to be, you know, just shooty shooty yeah, bang bang all the time. Bang, yeah. Sure. Because uh, it turns out, like, doesn't matter what kind of mystical creature you are, a, a tiger tank or a bullet can really be bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, did you give uh, Tom any input on this uh, for his game? Not right. as much as he's pretty good on the 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 lore, but I have drawn several of the characters. Yeah, I think I think like, I did ask like, okay, I want to have like this Draugr, an yeah. undead guy, mm-hmm. who um, and I and because um, I, I I think like you know because all Draugr in mythology they're usually just berser- undead berserker yeah, yeah. warriors. Well, that's because when they're alive, they're usually berserkers. Yeah, and so when they die, they're still in that state, but. He died during World War One, not in a berserker yeah. state. That, and luckily, I, did, I don't have a whole lot of like Norse mythology set in canon. Mm-hmm. So, like being able to, but I do like having that. So <laughs> he kind of found a spot that didn't have a lot of uh, uh, canon already written written into it. So and I, I, I like to really. Uh, a lot of my world building is built on the r- rule of cool. So oh like, sure yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, like Draugr sounds really fun. Yeah, he's canon. And uh, so. <laughs> and uh, also like. Yeah, his, yeah, you know, he's also like in the current in the current world. He 
actually is totally not married to a bugbear from France. Yeah, it's like yeah, bugbears. Okay, <laughs> but okay. Uh, Good. Yeah, she was she uh, he trained her to to uh, fight and work because he needed a partner. And I say they're kind of, they recovered the Ark of the Covenant before before the war, <laughs> like you do, like you do, like you do. <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, sounds quite entertaining. So. Um, anyways, this, I think this has been, uh, quite a fun episode. Nice. Uh, you yeah. can find, uh, Corey Bing, uh, where can people find you on various websites and uh, social medias? Uh, Twitter and uh, Cor- usually I'm Corey Bing everywhere. So it's K-O-R-Y-B-I-N-G. I think my Instagram, my Tumblr, my Twitter is all Corey Bing. Uh, <laughs> your TikTok. My, your- yeah. <laughs> my Patreon is yeah. patreon.com slash Corey Bing. So mm-hmm. yeah, mostly anywhere you can find me if it's Corey Bing. Your LinkedIn. Like, yeah. That's strangely <laughs> clear. Yeah. <laughs> Your MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> Friendster. Yeah. I don't know. My we'll keep Napster. That's probably a thing. I don't know. My LimeWire. Yeah, your LimeWire. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Corey Bing dot LinkinPark.exe. And her many six second yeah. videos on Vine. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, well, it's TikTok now, Tom. Well, I guess well, it could t- be on both. TikTok yeah. is the cool place now. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. I, yeah. I like cool. Vine yeah. doesn't exist yes. anymore. Thank it, you very yeah. much. Uh, cool. Well, uh, be sure we'll put links yes. up on that. Thank so, you. uh, mm-hmm. Tom, where can people find? Uh, you? I am a Lustrian Snake on Twitter, mm-hmm. and uh, that's primarily what's that's primarily my online. I'm also uh, Lustrian on Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can if you're a member of the RPPR Patreon, you can bother Tom all you want on the Discord. That's right, and I I'll probably even respond. Yeah, be sure to <laughs> add. And him. I'm I'm thinking of uh, actually running some games, more games on there. Great, because it's I I got that I got a scenario that I've been trying to do for a while. I know we we scheduling is a th- problem. It is. So I might just have to yeah. just run it there for our fans. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I am, of course, at Ross Payton uh, on Twitter. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Facebook group. Uh, and if you could please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, not iTunes, as I it changed over a few months ago. <laughs> I forgot to change that. Uh, Apple Podcasts or your podcasting app of choice. We rate and appreciate it. And, of course, we are on Patreon.com slash RPPR where you can get bonus episodes, artwork, uh, and join our Discord. And, of course, contribute to our Q&A podcast that, uh, or ask, uh, ask us questions and we'll answer them. So We anyways, totally will. Uh, thank We're- you all for listening. Uh, and we'll have a good one. Thank you.